0: You are listening to another episode of the coaches circle podcast brought to you by lifecoachpath.com our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching wellness and mental health each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own for more information on who we are and what we do visit www.lifecoachpath.com and now, here's your host, Brandon Baker.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the Coach's Circle podcast. Today, our guest is Jennifer Wolfe. She is the owner of Destinations Therapy and Maybell's Mission in Black Forest, Colorado. And she is an equine-assisted psychotherapist. So welcome to the show, Jennifer
0: thank you i appreciate you having me
1: yeah of course so uh, yours is actually an interesting um, story because well so far we haven't had any equine assisted coaches or psychotherapists um, on the show yet so this is a nice first i've always been fascinated by by this medium by this um, method of of helping others you know erase blocks or in the case of coaching you know reach that higher level of um of self-actualization. So can you just start off by by telling us a little bit more about you and about um, about your practice?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was an educator um, for 15 years. And then in 2013, my husband passed away in the war. And that is what led me to where I am today. Um, I saw him struggle with PTSD, Um, I saw him struggle physically with injuries he sustained in war, Um, pain management. Um, He was just kind of a shell of who he used to be. And I went to appointments with him. I shared in his grief and his struggles and defended him. And ultimately, the injuries were more than, than his body could take. And his body gave out. And I don't know that he mentally and physically received all of the help that he possibly could have in order to survive, um, and that put me where I am today. And so, Destinations is a place where we see our veterans and active duty military and their families for free, and um, they come out here and they spend time with the horses to overcome their obstacles, their their traumas, their pain, the moral injury physical assaults, everything that they have experienced and they put it into practice, not only by physically working with the horses, which is great for getting their bodies kind of working and functioning the way that they used to provides them an opportunity to feel useful again. And then mentally the horse acts as a metaphor um, for whatever their struggles may be. And we put those metaphors into practice for them very specifically based on what it is that they come in and talk to me about and seem to be struggling to get over. Um, That horse takes a tangible physical place of whatever their mental and emotional obstacles are. And they put it in motion and show them what it's like to experience and overcome and see those um, obstacles in the flesh. And it's, a lot of communication silently between body language, between minds, there's connections and all of my horses are rescues. So their stories can often help trigger them in the right direction when they hear how the horse has overcome amazing odds to be where they are today, Hmm. um, allowing them to sort of realize they can get there also.
1: Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've always found the use of horses for, for this purpose to be fascinating because I mean, well, I'm, I'm from New York city. So um, we don't, uh, (laughs) there isn't, I mean, I'm sure in upstate New York, there's, there's a lot of um, this kind of thing going on, but in the city, obviously Uh there's, there's none. The only time you're going to see a horse is when, a cop is is strolling down the block, uh, riding one. But obviously, that's for a cop. Completely... Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very, very different purpose, very differently trained horse. And so, my understanding of of how perceptive and how and how effective horses can be for the purposes of psychotherapy and coaching um, is is just mm-hmm. you know growing every time I I hear about uh, the, about this kind of thing, about somebody actually practicing this. So, um, you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. that you specialize with veterans and their families. So currently how, like what, what percentage of your clients would you say are coming from that background, um, similar to your own background and your own personal experience and how many, what, what percentage are just, um, you know, basically not (laughs) like other, uh, types of clients.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say I have a pretty even split right now. Um, I'm probably 50-50. Um, certain times of the year, I notice a lot with um, the military and it takes over my standard psychotherapy clients. Um, but as it stands right now through summer, it's been about 50-50. Um, okay. I've seen as high as an 80-20 ratio, um, kind of depending on, on the time frame.
1: Right, right. Okay. Um, and this is what I, I always think it's it's a valuable lesson for anybody that wants to get into coaching or get into counseling or therapy, um, to make sure that you find that niche. Um, and actually, I, I was hoping you can speak a little bit on that topic of finding a niche that you have personal experience with. In your case, uh, extremely poignant, you know, experience. So, can you just speak a little bit about the value of? having a niche as opposed to being more of a, of a generalist and how you feel that has helped you in your own career.
0: So I've grown up with horses. I've had them my entire life. I was on one before I could walk. And so that in and of itself has had an impact on me because I remember times in my life where I struggled with something or was a teenager and felt like life was just oh so unfair. Um, that I would go out and kind of dangle my legs in the horse stall and hang out with her. And I felt like she listened and she understood. Um, and she cared and I would breathe better. My heart rate slowed down. Everything calmed down for me in those moments. And that always stuck with me. And I wanted to find a place where I could be with horses and have a job, um, in the education field. That's a little harder. So Um, I was lucky to have found, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so I was lucky to have found this, um, way of working with the horses and still making a difference and being raised with them and having those experiences on my own, where I felt like I overcame things and negativity and talking myself down, um, all of my confidence and my responsibility and, and ability to be who I am came out in those moments with horses. And then, I've always been fascinated with the field of psychology and how we work and why we work the way we do. Um, And then combine that with my situation in 2013, you put all those together and it's, it's just a a perfect storm that came together and said, you know, help people like my husband, but have the horses there as a part of it. And remember how you felt around horses. And when I combined all of that, it it created this environment for us. And every therapist has a niche, something that they are so fantastic with. Um, And that's really what helps you bond and show passion to your clients and make them want to come back. Um, And for me, that was horses.
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, That's... It's always I think beautiful to to hear that story where all the unique experiences that somebody had all combined into one to create the unique practice that they own today. You know, it it never it never really happens in all the stories I've heard that somebody's just like, you know what? Um, I think this would be cool to do and even though I have no experience or no you know, prior reason to do it, (laughs) let me just try this. And then that ends up being what they do for the next 20 years. I mean, it it doesn't really ever happen like that. It's typically kind of like a little Mm -hmm. bit of this from when I was five, a little bit of this from when I was 10, a little bit of this from when Mm -hmm. I was 37, and then all Mm -hmm. combining Mm -hmm. to create that unique um, brand, really, is is what you're doing. So, you know, you started talking about the... The, the, the brilliance really of, of horses from an emotional perspective. And I want to, I want to dive a little deeper into that. So what would you say? It's a two-part question, I guess. What would you say is the reason, as far as you can tell, why horses are so uniquely suited for this type of work and related to that? Why do you think humans react so positively to horses in return?
0: Mm -hmm. I think the bond and emotion that comes with being around horses stems from um, their background as well. So horses cannot survive without socializing. Um, They don't do well isolated. They have to be in a herd. They have to have respect for others above them and a way to teach those beneath them. And they, in order to survive, need to feed off of each other and get each other's um, feedback, which for them is um, body cues. Um, They have to learn boundaries and acceptance and how to tell someone, look, we just don't gel or, oh, my gosh, I love you. So they do all of the same things that we do as humans. And we can really learn a lot from them just in their social herd bound activities it's further exemplified by the fact that they bond. They have a family. It's called a band with horses, just like we do. And they all have a purpose. And there's always, you know, the, the one who's in on everything and the one who's a little more isolated and likes to be alone or the one who's always in trouble. And it's so amazing how, they are just like us and our families or our work environment, or when we come across strangers. Yeah. And then we add to that the fact that they're prey animals. Um, so in order to survive, they have to be extremely intuitive. And from miles away, whether you're human or another animal, they pick up and sense your vibe. And if it's negative, they know to run away. And if it's calm and soothing, they know they can stay and graze and stay where they are. Um, so it makes that whole world very fascinating and very similar um, and intuitive. Right. I think the reason people feel the way that they feel is because they're accepting, they're forgiving. They don't care if you mess up. They don't care what you sound like, if, if you're um, dressed up, if you're dressed down. They don't care. Um, you make a mistake with them, they forgive, they move on. Plus, they're, they're massive, they're big, and it just feels like they can take all of your pain and carry it for you because they're so much bigger than we are. Um, When we ask them and look to them for help and accomplish a task together, it's such an amazing feeling to say, I did that with that thousand pound animal. It accepted me. It loved me. And it did what I asked. And it's huge. And it keeps people wanting to see what else they can accomplish with that animal and and how to take that home to the people they love and, and have relationships
1: with. Right, right. Amazing. I, I find it amazing. Um, I didn't grow up around horses. So it's kind of like, um, imagine somebody who never grew up around dogs and has no idea what dogs are like. And then one day when they're 32 years old, they're like, Oh, there's this thing called dogs. Uh, Have you heard of them? And it's just kind of like, they'd be so amazed because it's like, wow, this can really be like mm-hmm. man's best friend. And so that's what I'm that's what I experience when I'm hearing all, all these things that you're saying. You you described horses' emotional, I guess, training, you can put it that way, throughout their lives. And it sounds so similar, like you said, to humans. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I guess it makes sense how they can be so emotionally attuned to things that a lot of people wouldn't pick up on. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, I, I wanted to really? ask you for a concrete example of that, um, if you can. Maybe something that you've experienced um, with your own clients where a horse behaved in a certain way and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to word this accurately cause I've never, I've never seen it, but a horse behaved in a certain way that maybe cued you off, like it kind of tipped you off on something that maybe you wouldn't have been able to uncover if it were just you and the client in a room, just you and him, you and her, um, an yeah. example of what that kind of behavior from the horse that, that helps.
0: Yeah, so um, for example, um, I one of the most powerful things for me is the first time a client comes out, they do what's called herd observations, and during that time, they watch how the herd interacts, and then organically, 100% of the time, a horse will pick them, and they pick them by coming up, head down in front of them, hanging out, when they walk away, they follow um, they're very calm, they're very quiet, and that's kind of like them saying, hey, you're my person. Um, wow. So that's always a thing, but I think a defining moment for me, and it brought me to tears, um, was a lady who came to see me, um, and she had recently faced someone who committed suicide, and it was very difficult for her to get over um, the the idea that she had somehow caused it. Right. Um, and... We, we, we had worked through all of that and something was sticking for her and she just couldn't, she felt like she was making progress, but something was just stuck. And so we were out working with the horses and she said, I keep looking at this one. And I said, why do you think that is? And she said, cause she keeps wanting to go into the barn. And as we talked more and more about why it finally came out that she said, I think she's tired and everybody's always around her and she wants to be alone.
1: Kind of like an introvert. And she kind of looked at me and she
0: said, yeah, and she said, oh, my God, that's me right now. I I have family and friends who keep staying at my house because they're worried about me. And I really haven't had time to grieve or focus or do anything by myself. And I need to be alone. And it was so huge. And we cried together. Um, It was very powerful.
1: Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is that horses, because they display such a similar pattern of emotion as humans, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. in, a, in a general sense, um, that we're able to kind of see ourselves in the horse, which which makes uncovering some of those kind of hidden um, emotional tendencies or, or, or blocks in some cases, all the more, um, they become all the more accessible, I guess is, is what you're yeah. saying, so yeah so that's that's really fascinating um i wanted to i wanted to transition to a topic that i i guess is more central to the the purpose of this particular podcast and really the um the organization as a whole life coach path, which is helping to distinguish really between coaching and therapy so in your case um obviously what you practice is is psychotherapy. So can you just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how psychotherapy differs from the, the, you know, common understanding of coaching and, uh, cause I actually have spoken. We, it wasn't on a podcast, but it was a previous interview series that I did. I, I spoke to two or three, um, equine assisted coaches. And so the work that mm-hmm. they did from what I, from what I'm understanding from you was, was pretty similar. Um, but I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. what you thought the, the, the advantages and disadvantages were of both of those approaches the coaching approach and the psychotherapy approach
0: sure um i think they are very similar just like you said i think it can be very similar and i ended up getting a certificate in, in life coaching as well because of how similar they are when we're out there working with things so i would say the similarities would be um that feeling of of being stuck and not being able to make growth um and not understanding why but wanting to make that change. Um, and so I think it's very standard in both of those to explore, you know, what are we itching for and what's keeping us stuck here? Um, I think the differences are usually when coaching, it's more of a um, where am I going on this path? Is it where I want to go or do I need to make changes because I want this path? And it's around career Or relationship decisions or something a little more focal Mm -hmm. where I feel as if our psychotherapy clients who come in and are looking for the psychotherapy are very confused about what's going on why how do they overcome it Um, there's things that happened when they were um, toddlers there are things that happened yesterday and all of those experiences have come together to make them who they are today, both in a positive and in a difficult way. Um, So in order to improve their overall living and their overall relationship and ability to love and trust, um, they need that psychotherapy versus the life coaching. So it can be less focal. I think psychotherapy can be um, just because I don't think they always understand where the the pain and, and the struggle and the heaviness is coming from.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that was a that was a really helpful distinction. So from what I understand from what you're saying, it's not so much that psychotherapy and coaching are to like you have to kind of pick one approach. What you're saying seems to me you can pick one or the other depending on where your client is at that current moment. You know, um, if the client has a has from what they feel a, a solid understanding of how they got to this point, but they're just looking to reach that next level, that seems to me more amenable to coaching. Whereas from what you're saying, if the client just seems kind of at a loss, like how did I get here? Like something's wrong, Mm -hmm. um, then psychotherapy seems to be more appropriate. So it's kind of like two tools Mm -hmm. in in a toolbox instead of two completely separate approaches that you have to pick one or the other, is that right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think for life coaching, people know that's what they need um, specifically. And when it's more mental health, they're not they're not really sure what they need
1: Hmm. also. Mm -hmm. So is that what you do in your own practice? Like when you get a client, do you often just skip over the psychotherapy aspect if you feel the client is in a good place, so to speak? And then you can just head on over straight to that coaching um, you said that you took a coaching certification. Do you just, like, utilize those tools instead?
0: Uh, I feel like I use them both pretty similarly in both of those situations because we have to understand somebody's history and background and okay. um, point of view and where where they're coming from in both of those situations in order to help them best. So I feel like I use those pretty interchangeably.
1: Okay that's fine perfect um and actually that's I think that's really insightful for for a coach who might feel like they have to choose one or the other because I'll tell you firsthand I mean when I in some of the previous conversations I've had with coaches it's it's a very much like a versus B I mean you have to pick one that that is it's for for some reason that is the stance that a lot of coaches have um but it's turning out especially in this conversation that we're having it's turning out that it doesn't have to be that that huge divide in the first place. You can right. you can use both concurrently, um, mm-hmm. even that's with the so same great. client. You you can use both, depending on where they're at at that time. So that's great. I think that's I mm-hmm. think that's really valuable. Very true. Um, so I wanted yeah, to absolutely. I wanted to um, end with maybe one topic that aspiring coaches or aspiring um, therapists or counselors. Obviously we all know the 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 plus side of doing this work which is helping see your clients through a roadblock or a challenge or something that's a limitation that they've set on themselves or that life has set on them um, but mm-hmm. so that's obviously the the positive side but I wanted to get to know a little bit more about what you have found to be the maybe the most challenging side or the most um, maybe the downside or the negative side that you've worked to overcome and what can a new um, coach or a a new therapist that's looking to get educated and certified in this, in these fields, what can they do maybe to kind of um, avoid that or what what would you have done differently if you knew of that in advance?
0: I think having your boundaries is important because it can be very easy to fall into the pitfalls of, Um, someone, one of your clients texts you at 10 o'clock and they're upset, just had a fight with their boyfriend, let's say, and they're reaching out for help Um, and you instantly go to answer and you're exhausted and you've seen clients all day um, and and the need within you to to help everyone says answer that phone call Mm -hmm. and then you feel yourself burned out sometimes, like I just don't know if I can do this. And then when you start to get a little more secure in your ability and what you provide and the quality service that you have, you're able to start drawing boundaries and say, you know what, it's, it's okay. And even just check on them and say, can this wait till morning? Um, that's better than, than kind of a longer phone call um, or setting the boundaries in advance with clients that here's what you can do outside of the hours I operate to find the support and help that you need just to avoid feeling drained, I think is is an important one, because it's such a fantastic job. It's also um, very taxing at times. So you have to draw your boundaries and, and stick with them. And that's the hard part.
1: Right, right. And I think what you're alluding to has to be one of the most common challenges that coaches face, because why do you or therapists or, or anybody in this in this capacity? Why do you get into this field? I mean, hopefully, it's to it's to help others because you know what it's like to be in their shoes. I mean, you mentioned to me the the background story that that motivated you to do this, um, going through loss, mm-hmm. and so having that background, you want to flip that around and you want to help people as much as you can. So the instinct, I think, you're exactly right, is to help at all costs, and often that cost is your own mental health. So, um, yeah. and I I think maybe for somebody who has a hard time putting themselves above others, for somebody who always seeks to help first, maybe the Mm -hmm. one way to look at it would be, you know what? If I don't take care of my own mental health, I am not going to be able to help others for very long because like you just said, you are going to burn out. So, um, in order to, in order to be able to, to practice this and to, and to, you know, for some people, it's making the world a better place. For me to be able to do that, you know, you need to set those boundaries yeah. and make sure that you can reset every day instead of the cumulative weight of every client weighing down on you just a little bit more every day, because um, right. that's yeah. obviously going to head to a, a pretty bad place. So, yeah. So thanks for um, so thanks for bringing that up, because I think that's a, a lesson a lot of new coaches probably need to hear.
0: yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: So, so yeah, Jennifer, I, uh, I want to give the opportunity for you to let everybody know where they can find you, um, more about the work you do. If somebody is interested in equine, um, centered, uh, you know, uh, psychotherapy or coaching or any of that, where can they find you? Where can they find more about what you do? Um, if they want to learn more. Um,
0: so you. You can find us on Psychology Today. We're also at DestinationsEquineTherapy.com. Um, we are listed as a nonprofit. Um, if you look up the, the Federal IRS Nonprofit Bank, we're on there as well. So those are just ways to reach out and get our phone number or learn more about us or addresses, things like that.
1: Okay, perfect. And I know that uh, Destinations, they're spelled with a C, and I'm going to make sure to uh, put that in the in the show notes <laughs> Um. after uh, this goes live to make sure that people can find you.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you.
1: All right. All right, Jennifer. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for sharing your perspective. And I'm excited for people to hear your story.
0: I am too. Thank you so much for thinking of us.
1: <laughs> okay, of course. You have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.